You're listening to the RSA Conference podcast, where the world talks security. Hello, listeners. Have you ever felt like the employees in your organization don't understand the security message you're trying to convey? Maybe you felt that you just don't know how to reach across the silos and help others understand the impact security policies have on the business. Today, we're joined by two security leaders who will be talking about how to navigate your way through these communication issues. Before we jump in, I'd like to ask our guests to introduce themselves. Bruce, Shelley? Hey, Casey. Uh, Thanks for having us on the podcast today. Uh, I'm the CIO of ISC Squared. Uh, We're an international membership organization for cybersecurity training and certification. Uh, Our flagship is the CISSP, which many have heard of, I'm sure. And I've been with ISC for about three years now. Prior to this, I worked in the data center fields, uh, also with the banking industry, and a 27-year Navy career. I also hold the CISSP and CISM certifications myself. Thanks, Bruce. This is Shelley. I started working for a large healthcare employer here in North Carolina in 1996 as a clinical genetic counselor and later as a research coordinator and eventually as an administrator. But in 2012, I was asked to consider joining our InfoSec team with uh, literally no security skills at all. The CISO who hired me had a vision for taking someone with proven business skills and good communication skills and a lot of institutional knowledge and training them on security in order to have them be kind of the outward face of the security office that could interact with the business. He took a big risk, but I took the job and I drank hard from the fire hose for the first year and really passionately learned InfoSec. And over time, I was put in charge of security business engagement and our security awareness and training program for the enterprise. And I also hold the Healthcare Information Security and Privacy Practitioner ISC Squared certification. Wonderful. Bruce and Shelley, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to start off with a question for both of you. Why do so many organizations struggle with effective security communications? Yeah, there are a number of reasons. I'll point out a few of them. Um, It's hard to translate technical information into digestible, user-friendly elements, and um, we continue to use outdated statements that inherently imply an expectation of failure, like the user is the weakest link. Um, And it doesn't help that technology is constantly evolving, so the information that we give you today could change tomorrow, like we saw at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. We tend to try to convey everything all at once into a single or an annual point in time, and that results in just a ton of information overload in users. We oftentimes rely upon a single methodology like PowerPoint done live rather than utilizing the full broad spectrum of technologies um, that are available to us. And for us in healthcare, we have a constantly shifting user base. We have new employees walking in and out of the door every single day. It's difficult to not have a platform to reach all end users easily. And um, I think one of the failures that we do is we fail to really embed ourselves into culture and identity for an organization. So security is oftentimes seen as a pillar, but not embedded fully into the um, enterprise culture. Bruce, did you want to weigh in on that? So communications is the core of an organization, and there's always lots of impediments to good communications. Uh, Lack of focus, clarity, enthusiasm, uh, there's a trust factor, empathy. Uh, All these can be blockers in the the company experience, and it, it really boils down to a lot of the culture. 
uh, lack of culture, uh, lack of training, um, lack of a network and knowing your company's key players and team members. Uh, these impediments can make it extremely difficult for the security team to function in a crisis or in normal day-to-day operations, that matter. Uh, one of the things Shelly brought up, which I see, is you know the constant change, whether it be new team members, new processes, all these type things. Uh, when you're dealing with change and you think you've uh, reached the pinnacle and you've uh, we've trained everyone, we're good, uh, something changes and now you haven't trained everyone or you've got a new system that you have not trained them on. So uh, it does make it a difficult process. So I know that, you know, there's communication within the security department or within and across the security and IT departments, but then communicating outside of security and IT presents its own set of challenges. Bruce, I wanted to just get a sense from you about the specific challenges organizations are facing when they try to communicate their security message across the broader organization outside of the security department. The, again, another great thing here, uh, bridging off the comments I made before, Casey, uh, the challenges can be really deep-rooted in the culture of a company and cause issues for the security team company-wide. So if, and if the security team has issues, obviously the company is going to have issues with whether it's moving forth a new process or responding to an incident. So what the security team does is they have to really uh, develop a message based on knowing the business, the people, and develop this trust with these key players in the company. Uh, trying to communicate without these three elements is almost a non-starter in any company. And you have to speak the business language. Uh, it's important to let them know how uh, security is going to enable the team and their process and let them do their jobs better and more safely. And this is going to be one of the times where you're, you're going to install something and, you know, and, uh, is some type of a communication system or whatever it may be. And, and it's going to make it seem like things are going to be more difficult to add security in. And this is where, uh, you've really got to over communicate, let them know the business value and how you're going to help them, uh, move forward to get this process going. So, uh, it can be very difficult. And, and I, I see that, uh, and talk to other peers that this is one of the more difficult things they have is really getting, uh, uh, the meaning across and really being able to work with the business as partners. And Charlie, just to follow up on that, the employees within your organization represent a vast spectrum. So how do you build relationships to help bridge the gaps across silos and communicate across the wide range of skill sets and experiences within a large organization? Yeah, thanks, Casey. Um, I think, first of all, you need to acknowledge that unless you work for a really small organization, you're not going to be able to reach all of your users individually. So you have to get strategic about how you utilize your resources and education. And like all security, you need to have a defense in-depth strategy. So I do a few things that help me. One, I look to leverage existing embedded pathways. So if you already have an email list server, or a website, or a meeting distribution pathway, or a standing meeting, then I'm not going to expect you to leave that and come out of it and come to me in order for me to give you information. I'm going to push my messages through the system that you're already embedded in to make it easier for you. I also look for early adopters and kind of the embedded geeks among our regular staff. If you self-identify by reaching out and asking me a really great question or even reporting a security incident, I'm going to take the time to thank you for being an ambassador for security, and I'm going to ask you to spread the word among your peers. And you should walk away from that conversation feeling like you're a valuable extension of our security team. And then I try to surround myself with people unlike me. 
so I can get a diverse spectrum of input and make sure that our messaging is relevant to our really diverse user base. And we try to work closely with our accessibility people to make sure that our messaging is equitably delivered to everybody. And then finally, I look for influencers. I look for people who may be executives, but sometimes are people who are just leading without authority. If you're someone that people follow, we're about 80% done if I can convince you to do the right thing. And we usually know who these people are when we see them. They're the people that all the questions get directed to and that um, people generally want to work with. If we can get those people on our ambassador team and we can pour our knowledge into them, we can have an exponential grassroots kind of effect. So I typically have a standing meeting every week with a contracts officer and a privacy officer and a regulatory specialist and an operations officer, and we all come to the table and discuss gaps and challenges and form ideas that we then can each take back into our respective teams. But we pretty strategically choose the individuals from those offices that we know are going to be good at influencing people into behavior change. So, Bruce, what are some of the reasons for these challenges that we talked about across the silos? Are we dealing with a lack of clear communication coming from the security team? As, you know, Shelly points out that she is very uh, mindful about the messaging that she sends out and to whom she sends what sort of message. So is it an issue of a lack of clear communication coming from the security team or a lack of general understanding about the need for everyone to play a role in securing the organization? On that one, Casey, I would say yes to both. And the reason I say yes to both is because uh, security can get wound up in a no-risk mentality and not speaking the language of the business. Uh, I think it's great that Shelly was talking about that, you know, she was not a security expert. She came into this field, I think the term she used was drinking from the fire hose, and brought her communications into security. And I think it's very important because oftentimes if you have grown up in security, let's say, which I have a background in that, uh, you'll often find that security professionals will not speak the language of the business. It's uh, it's a very much, you know, we can't take that risk if we open this port, whatever it may be. Uh, so it's, uh, and it's not talking the business language. On the other hand, you've got the the business which can place operations ahead of security, not realizing both operations and security can go to hand in hand. Uh, They think that they have an initiative. They're used to the the typical what they call the CI know, uh, where, you know, any initiative they have, they know it's going to be blocked. So what we're going to do is we're going to work around the system uh, so we do not have to, uh, you know, really deal with all that cumbersome security, which can get a business in trouble, as we know. So it can be both. Uh, but in, in this case, uh, I really think, though, um, it's not really incumbent on the business. You know, they, they are not going to go seek out security. Uh, I think this is the part where security really has to lean forward and, A, learn to speak business talk, learn how they can enable the business, how they can work within the partners and show them how they can do things rather than just block things. The second thing is reaching out to the business and, and uh, the second way and, and letting them, you know, again, become a partner uh, so that they do not hesitate to bring us into these meetings and to these ideas and brainstorming when, when it's time to have a new process or idea or uh, something coming into the company, that security is a part of that from the ground up, that we bring it in that way so that, that we are partners. And bringing in security also allows us, you know, to bring in the compliance teams and those things. So we, it's a holistic approach to the whole 
whole matter. So I really believe it's both, but security is the one uh, via communications that's going to have to reach out and establish this bridge out to the business. So, Shelly, how do you go about finding those key other people in departments, um, you know, reaching out to other parts of the business, legal, human resources, marketing, so that you can respond quickly and effectively when security incidents do occur? Yeah, I actually really agree with Bruce that it's going to have to be security that does the reach out on these things and that there's a deficit of ability of speaking business language um, to our business partners. So I think it takes very intentional work, and you cannot do this in the middle of an emergency. You can't wait until you have an incident to do this. You have to spend the time and the effort and do it in advance. Um, incident response doesn't happen 9 to 5, and our legal HR and business owners aren't generally staffed 24 by 7 these days, there are regulatory and contractual obligations that often require immediate response down to a day or less from recognition of a suspected incident. So laying the ground expectations with the business people in advance is really important because most of them are not used to an incident response mindset, and they may not fully understand the urgency of, of working an incident. The pandemic has taught us a lot. Uh, and, you know, it's taught us the importance of having documented plans with named or delegated individuals and doing tabletops and testing on a regular basis. Um, in the healthcare world, we have a hospital incident command system that all healthcare staff across the U.S. are trained on and that uses a common ontology. Uh, every organization has a documented plan that provides roughly consistent framework from one hospital to the next and to prepare for these types of events. And that was a lifesaver when this happened because the structure for decision-making and communication was already in place. On a smaller scale, I think what you have to do when you're talking about system-level incidents is make sure that, first of all, you really empower your incident response team to take necessary steps. And then you have to have those conversations and make sure that the business people who are designated responders in the IR plan are capable of making decisions and have up-to-date contact info. And when I'm trying to figure out who that person will be, um, it's usually as simple as saying who wants to take a 3 a.m. phone call and is willing and is accountable from the organization perspective for making decisions um, in that moment. And that's when you're going to figure out who are the people that need to be written into that plan and that you really need to start forming relationships with. And I think that's so important because we use communications and communicating and messaging here in, in very general terms. And I do think that oftentimes when people think about communications or communicating a security message to the wider organization, there's a lot of focus on security awareness and education. But there's indeed much more to that that needs to be communicated about security policies and procedures. So, Bruce, question to you, how can security teams effectively communicate beyond just security awareness, things like what Shelley just talked about, incident response, and who is responsible for what and when? 
So training and awareness, uh, as you mentioned, that that is kind of the bread and butter. That's that's the basic. You know, I, I need one cup of security for everybody, so uh, we can all have our security for the year, and we're done. And that's you know in, in, within their compliance training and such. That's an introduction, and I think too many people think that well, I have security, I've taken my class, that's all I need, and that's not even the the tip of it. That's just an introduction, and it should complement your policies and procedures in, that are in place. And so whether it's just someone on the uh, security team or whether it's someone out you know, in the HR department, they understand that that whatever they're they're doing it has got a security impact to it. Whether it's dealing with a certain type of data or uh, working with a USB drive, whatever it is, you have to continue to uh, instill that in. Promoting that culture and awareness throughout the company, uh, it's key. Making sure leadership is discussing it, that's another thing, is making sure your leadership is really talking about it. When when the CEO is up talking or sending out a memorandum or something to the company, making sure that, that security is included there. It's not always about operations or the next sale. That we, we talk about being secure and protecting our, our members or our customers or whatever it may be. So, again, starting at the top, discussing it. Uh, other things you can do um, is uh, you can add a little fun to it as well. So you make sure not only they're getting your training, put some gamification around it. Uh, if you have a robust fishing program, something like that, you can talk about which department did best this month and, you know, give out some type of an award. So uh, that's another way that you can promote it, always kind of uh, basically marketing uh, your, your security team. And the, the last thing is really, um, which is this is the, the reinforcement part of it, is making sure that all the leaders and managers and everyone in the company, that they are enforcing security. When they see something, they say something, and they're doing something about it. So that's when you know, you can tell that, that it's starting to work. Now, when you get to the incident response, uh, that's a little bit different. That's more than the, just the holistic, you know, knowing to do the right thing and not let somebody follow you through the door or whatever it may be. This is something that we have to have a very clear policy on. Uh, it has to be promulgated to all the, the team members. Uh, as Shelly was saying, making sure you have the right team members wherever it is in legal, uh, PR, the ones that are going to take the 3 o'clock call. you got to have those members in place. And they have to be familiar with your policy to know what's expected of them and what you're going to be doing. Also, training on this. Practice, practice, and practice is very important uh, on this policy, running real-world scenarios on things that, that happen, you know, email compromises, those type things, where you're going to walk through and just don't check the box. Make sure that you're doing this uh, with an outside representative, someone who, who is watching you do this, who's grading your communications and all other aspects of your response so that you can get better. It's very easy to uh, check the box and say, yeah, we just had a uh, incident response, it was great, and we all pat each other on the back, and then when it really happens, we find out we didn't really know how to communicate. We didn't know how to do what we need to do to mitigate the, the incident. So uh, it's very important that we practice, uh, again, specifically the communications, and that we are graded on these, and uh, we direct each other on how to improve these. Excellent. And Kelly, I would like to go back to this question of security awareness and training and the communications around that. Um, Bruce, thanks so much for covering both the education piece and the incident response piece. But I do want to spend a little time, Shelly, just hearing from you and your experience in your role now, particularly for those organizations that are in the process of being audited. How do you build a strong security awareness and training program? How do you know that you're building a good program? Right. Well, auditing is a great way to know if your program is effective. And um, I'm a strong believer that, you know, your program should have a mission statement and a documented plan, that it needs to be something that somebody externally can come in and look at 
and that it needs to be intentionally designed so that you're always asking yourself, could you test and prove the effectiveness of your program to an external party? And I think I've said the word strategy a couple of times, but I'll say it again. You have to get strategic around the utilization of your resources. None of us have unlimited resources for awareness and training. And so you have to make sure that literally everything that you do is value add and addressing the real most relevant and pressing risks to your organization. So I probably can't say strongly enough that finding the right people is critical. You should find people that are exceptionally good communicators, both oral and written, and that are kind of passionately evangelical about security. They should be thinking about and talking about security all the time, and they should be generally likable and fun and relatable to a pretty broad range of people because they're going to need to establish that trust and build up those relationships. There is some um, very good training um, out there around how to stand up a security awareness and training program, and I would recommend that. I think that you want to do the work, you want to get your homework done, you want to make sure that you heat map your risks and you find ways to address those risks in relevant, in-time ways. So the more that you can put information in front of people immediately when it's relevant, the better. And um, I would say security awareness is still security. So you really want to build defense in depth back into your security awareness strategy. You want to make sure that if this message doesn't hit or you don't happen to see it, there's another message that reinforces it or there's a third message somewhere downstream that reinforces it. And it takes multiple messages for somebody really to ultimately change their behavior. I would advocate for hiring or consulting with a millennial. I think that they have a lot to offer and then pairing them with someone with a lot of institutional knowledge and relationships that they can leverage. And I would really say strongly, don't let your goal be perfection. It's not going to happen. What your goal should be is change in the right direction towards a security culture adoption. So you really want to make sure that your program is flexible and can adapt to emerging challenges and threats and make sure that you're being strategic about collecting metrics so that you can prove return on investment to your executive leadership so that you get the resources that you need for the next year to really expand your program. You know, we then have to look at our communications that are coming from the security team and try to understand and evaluate the overall successes and failures, right? So for the broader security policies and procedures, Bruce, how do you use your communications as a means of evaluating those overall successes and failures? So communications are, are the key tenet. That, that's that's the baseline. If you're not communicating effectively, um, you may have you know uh, numerous uh, firewalls and systems and sores and all these types of devices in place. Uh, if you don't have communications, you are going to fail. It's that simple. Um, whether it be the written communication, uh, you know, it's verbal, uh, all the different types of comms we have now, you have to be able to communicate and. Many of the things that Shelly was talking about, about creating these programs, they, they were spot on because you have to have this in place so that, that you can communicate to all levels, to all different groups. Uh, they're going to speak different.
differently, whether it's the marketing team versus the sales versus HR. And then Shelly started talking about a little bit about millennials. So now you have generational issues as well. So you have to practice communications and develop a, a robust plan so that that you do get communications as a tenant, it's, it's got to, it is what your your system is based on. And uh, I know several people that have relied on just the the automation and various things in there. And and when it came to communications, it broke down, it failed. And if you can't get that word out uh, through the company, making sure that you're fighting the incident properly, and then turning to the public face, making sure that whatever's happening in the company that you are turning to out to the public, you're being honest with your customers, with your members on what's going on, also while uh, communicating with other people in the company who will speak a different language, which is our attorneys. They will speak yet another language, so we have to make sure that we're translating this, so we're protecting the company, we're minimizing risk, uh, but we're being honest and we're doing our due diligence for, again, our members and our customers uh, in the world. I'd love for both of you to follow up, um, just perhaps give some examples of the metrics that folks can use to understand where their failures and successes are in order to become more strategic in their communications. Shelley, let's start with you. Sure. Um, If you have done the homework and heat mapped your risk and you understand the behaviors that you're trying to change, which, by the way, is harder than it sounds, then you have the ability to test those metrics and to see change over time through technical controls like less click fails and greater reports in your phishing program or through a number of other ways. Um, And so culture change is actually harder to measure. For me, behavior change is good, but culture change is what I would strive for. So one of our metrics of success in our simulated phishing program is how many entities voluntarily opt in to a cycle that's greater than the required cycle. We also look at whether there are executive leaders in the entity who are willing to be transparent about their failures in the simulated phishing program so that their staff can look to them and understand that if their leader can fail, it's okay for them to acknowledge their failure and to continue to strive to get better. So our goal for security is to really be seen as a partner to the business, not an impediment. And people generally see that initially through our security awareness efforts. Um, One thing that I'll say about failures, we don't set up our security team as the gold standard, which I think is a mistake that teams can easily make. We know that our security analysts and even our executives in the security office are also prone to failures. But what we do is when we fail, we absolutely leverage our failures to be very transparent in aligning ourselves with our user base so that they can see that we are in this with them together. And so we have lots of examples where um, we have asked executives and um, our own analysts to be comfortable being transparent about mistakes that we have made so that our users learn to trust us that We're not imposing um, systems and regulations on you that we ourselves aren't willing to try to adhere to as well. And Bruce, did you want to add to that? 
Sure thing. I I agree with Shelley um, that you know there are really two sets of metrics. There are the ones that uh, they're hard metrics that you can look at as uh, click rates dropping, uh, incident rates dropping, those type of things uh, that that can be a good marker of showing that that you are communicating effectively. Uh, these are the ones that you can take to executive, and as you're formulating uh, your budgets, you can say this is you know based on my communications and my outreach, I I've lowered the incident rate X percent. Um, that's the metric you can actually put on paper. The other one, and, and uh, Shelly also spoke to this one, you know, how are you working with the business? One of the things I, I like to look at is how hard is it? How hard is it for the average person to come into the company and, and get a project started and get it through the entire system? Uh, you know, was security, were they an aid or were they an impediment? And a lot of this you find out uh, through doing AARs, your after action reports, uh, or, you know, whatever type of, of follow-up you do after each project so that you can find out where the hard spots were. And uh, I think we've come back to the word trust many times here in, in this conversation. If we have the trust of the company and the company really trusts the security team to help do the right thing and enable these processes, the processes will get easier and they will naturally want to come to us. And that is a uh, metric you can't capture and you can't put that on paper, but you can definitely feel it in the culture. You can tell if uh, security is an impediment or if they're uh, an enabler inside the company, I believe. Those are a couple of good metrics I look at. Thank you so much for that, Bruce. And Shelley, Bruce, thank you so much for a great conversation. Do either of you have any parting words for our listeners before we wrap up? Um, I would just say that security awareness and training is a very critical element to security. I think that perception is that it's the softer, less technical arm of security, but it really takes intelligent, strategic, personable, knowledgeable security analysts with great communication skills to run a program. So if this is the domain that you're in, you should be very proud of the work that you do, and you should um, feel really comfortable owning the impact to the overall security of the organization um, is influenced strongly through security communications and awareness and training. I would add uh, communications are hard. And uh, they, they're something that you can't give up on. Uh, you will have failures. You have to learn from those failures and move forward. You also need to rinse, lather, and repeat many times over because you're going to have changes in people, processes, and equipment. And as those change, you're going to have to continue to reach out, to train, to communicate, and it will be hard. You're, you're going to have those, those areas in the company. Um, Shelly mentioned the people that are, you know, your ambassadors. You're going to have the people that are definitely not your ambassadors, and you have to reach out to them as well and, and, and bring them into your uh, fold so that they understand the security culture. So don't give up on them. Continue to work on them and continue to, to train and get that word out there, and ultimately you will be successful. Fantastic. Again, thank you both so much for joining us. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for our next podcast next week on how diversity can help in risk management. <laughs> 